a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials to Force Coast, Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And we are here to talk about the second half, second batch, uh, pardon the pun, of yeah. Bad Batch Season 2 episodes. We're talking about episodes, uh, I believe it is 6 through 10. Is that correct? It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess let's just do these in order. So the first episode we're talking about is an episode called Tribe. And this is an episode where we see the return of Gunji, who is a Wookiee Jedi, who we saw as a youngling in the Clone Wars getting his kyber crystal to make his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this episode is that I think the Bad Batch has been focused on one very specific part of the Star Wars universe, which is sort of the the underbelly, the... Um, the smuggling that you know just the, the, the sort of the, the more grounded crime-based stuff and while i like that stuff what's so cool about star wars to me is that there are all these different parts of the star wars world and you don't mm-hmm. have to just focus on one area all the time and so i liked bringing back gunji because i think it's a cool character i also like the idea of returning to this idea of that there are Jedi sort of sprinkled throughout the galaxy that are trying to get by. And I enjoyed the sort of different scope of the episode. Uh, Liz, I'll start with you. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, I, uh, I going into watching these five episodes, to be honest, I wasn't too jazzed about it. <laughs> um, but I, I, when Gunji appeared on screen i didn't expect to see a wookiee for some reason which i always enjoy and i i didn't expect a jedi when i took out his lightsaber i felt like it was kind of exciting um which i enjoyed as well um i i liked also just at the end of the episode where i, I guess we did get to see omega and gunji kind of get to be maybe kid friends here a little bit yep and uh, at the end, you know, there was a bit of that discussion about how the, you know, the two of them don't really get to be kids because of where the world is at right now, um, which, I, you know, I thought was an interesting point to bring up. Um, it made me think I've been watching The Last of Us. I don't know if the two of you are. I feel like we mentioned it last time we spoke just on our own. Um, but which is something that is, you know, addressed in that series as well, which I've been thinking about how Ellie doesn't really get to be a kid in many ways either, which was examined in an episode two weeks ago when she actually met another kid and got to be a kid for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting here, too. Matt, what do you think? I really liked it. I <clears throat> I think I've been open on this show. I'm not generally a fan of Wookiees in general <laughs> um, because they always feel um hokey they feel like tossing superman into a scenario that doesn't need it um but this was the first time i really enjoyed seeing more of the culture seeing more of this idea of them being survivors um the idea of them living in harmony with the uh world of kashik itself like it brought in a lot of i guess like mythology 
to it that I really enjoyed. Um, and Gunji's a really cool character. I was really happy that we didn't see Chewbacca. Yes. Um, when we saw Wookiee, I was like, oh, come on. But no, that was a great character because he's Were a you great sad character. sad we didn't see Itchy or Lumpy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Especially because when you put them together and ask that question, it sounds like something a doctor's asking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. Um, is your Chewbacca Itchy yeah. or Lumpy? <laughs> is it Itchy or Lumpy? I get a cream. Um, you know what I thought interesting, too? Is we've always transdotions have always been known as slavers. Like it's always that's always been a piece of their story. But to see them actually being slave masters for the first time really put into perspective how vile they are as creatures. And I like that. Yeah. They look more Goomba esque than before. I don't know. (laughs) Who was on the character model design of that? But. Um, one of the things I really liked about this was I feel like the issue with Star Wars and the Jedi is actually it's funny. I don't know if you either of you saw, it, but Liam Neeson said he's done with Star Wars. Have you seen this? No. He says he's done. He says there's too many spinoffs that it's ruining the like the magic and the mystery of Star Wars, which is so funny because he's the person who mentions midichlorians. Which is yeah, literally like, what kills the magic and mystery of Star Wars. Um, yeah. But I feel like this episode does a really, really nice job at sort of reintroducing some of the some of those more mystical elements. The way that the the Wookiees commune with the trees on Kashyyyk, the way that we have a Force user who literally cannot ruin it with words for us. Like, they can't, you know, there's a very famous quote that's attributed to either Frank Zappa or Martin Mull, which is talking about music is like dancing about architecture. And I love Mm. that quote. But I feel like that's the force, too. Like, the best stuff about the force is when Yoda can lift the X-Wing without saying a word, right? It's Mm -hmm. when you see the force instead of trying to, like, talk about the force. I think that's a much better thing. And so with someone like Gunji, he, he literally cannot tell you about the force. You don't, you, mm-hmm. we don't. We don't speak. Uh, is it is is Kashyyyk the language also, or is there another um, name? For, I feel like there's another name for question. it. They just call it Wookie. Yeah, which they I do. don't yeah. think is necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's called. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but like, but you know, and so because <clears> of that, you, they had to just let him show. They had to show and not tell mm-hmm. about the force, and so I really appreciated that piece of this episode. Um, yeah. Same. And I, I would this started as a um a trend through trying to all three story arcs or just no a, two of them. Um but really of them having the Bad Batch taking a back seat. Yes. They're not the ones in charge. Their role is there to support. And I think we're seeing that that is where they are going as a group, is realizing that they can do a lot of good in the galaxy by helping Things that are already in motion, letting their skill set aid other people. Um, And it was really nice to see them, you know, saying, listen, we're here to help. We're not going to run. You tell us what to do and we do it. And uh, again, it, it, it just was a good episode to watch, even though it felt I feel like we've seen storylines close to this a lot. Yes. On Star Wars. Um, we saw there was a Mandalorian episode like this. There were multiple Clone Wars episodes, but this one felt 
unique and felt fun and um not just because a guy got eaten by a spider <laughs> right Ooh, that was, uh, that was great he deserved that yeah yeah a lot a lot of um hoist by their own uh petards in, <laughs> yes. Yes. in in these episodes uh but yeah it i i liked it i i think it felt like a good was that one episode or two episodes it, it was, was only one, one episode right? yeah okay it was a good one yeah it was yeah part of it too i think it Gunji is a character. He he seemed vulnerable too. He's a kid. He was scared. He was alone after everything that just happened to conceivably most of the other Jedi remaining. But he's still also quite powerful, and he can still defend himself and defend others. So I think that's what made this episode interesting too. He seemed to be a pretty complex character in that way. Yeah. In just this one short episode. This is going to sound like a dig, but I mean it as a positive thing. I kind of got some like Ewoks Caravan of Courage vibes. Yeah, like, the, I the, see the, that. the good the good parts of Caravan of Courage. <laughs> yeah. Um just the idea of like a peek into a civilization in Star Wars where we're not learning about these people because we're fighting them, but because we actually get to see how they live mm. a little bit. Like that's it's very rare that you see, like, even with the the Gungans from Episode One, we don't get to spend a ton of time with their culture. We pass through it through the eyes of Jar Jar and the Jedi, but we don't get to see any like Gungan rituals, right? But we actually get to see like what the Wookiee are doing here. We get to we get a sense of how they operate as a people, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. I also recognize you can't do that every episode, right? Um, but you know, I appreciated that episode quite a bit. Um, so up next are it's a two-parter the first part was called the clone conspiracy and the second part was called truth and consequences and this is uh, this along with the episode that we had earlier this season that focused on Cody and Crosshair really makes it that this is a show about all the clones that are left not just the Bad Batch Mm-hmm. And that's why I enjoy these episodes so much. I thought this first one, especially the Clone Conspiracy, was an excellent episode of the Clone Wars. I know, I know, it's not an episode. I know it's it's Bad Batch, but it felt like an episode of the Clone Wars. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was um, it had all the stuff you want from that. It had Bail Organa, uh, Senator uh, Chuchi. It had um, like really, really well written scenes that felt consequential and felt like it was answering questions from the larger Star Wars playbook, <clears throat> mainly why did clones stop being the only stormtroopers? You know, what happened yeah. there? And I thought it was all handled in a way that felt um that felt uh that felt uh natural. Like it didn't some sometimes <clears throat> when you're trying to solve like a twenty year old or forty year old mystery Sometimes that is not handled in the most elegant way, but this felt like a reasonable explanation for why we saw clone troopers and then one day didn't see clone troopers anymore. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's funny how much heavy lifting this cartoon for, you know, 40 minutes did in ways that trilogies haven't been able to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think this was also easily, the most nuanced conversation about the clones we've ever seen mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, the, the way that the Senator is talking about them and just saying how, you know, we need to figure out a retirement plan for them. It's very practical nuts and bolts stuff. 
but it also feels very necessary and very – it felt very real to me. And it was the first time through all of these – we watched The Clone Wars for a long time now. We've seen Rebels. We've done all this. It was the first time that I really had to put myself in the shoes of not a clone like I put myself in Rex's shoes, but in terms of like a rank-and-file clone. Like, I was built for this. When I can't do this anymore, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's a really powerful question. I think, I mean, and look, all, none of us are getting any younger, right? I think we all see pieces of our past slip away every day, and then you you have to redefine who you are. But we don't have our entire existence changed with, with because of a Senate vote, right? So I I, I thought these episodes were excellent. Uh, Matt, what did you think? I really, I really liked them. I think it answered a lot of questions very well. I think it uh, showed the... What I loved about it is they kept talking about the idea about um, keep going. Oh, how everyone is disposable to the Empire, and seeing that you know first applying to the clones and then applying to Rampart himself. Yep. Um, everything is and and as we move forward in the timeline, realize that it's not even everything is disposable to the empire. It's everything is disposable to the emperor himself. Yes. Even the empire, even the empire can fall if it benefits sheep. Yeah. Yeah. That is like a very masterful power play. And I think the way they, um, like not shot, but I drew the scene was fantastic. It was a very, very good, um, moment. I really enjoyed that. And I, what they did something that Star Wars has never been able to do well, because from episode four, we've been seeing entire planets wiped out a lot. Yep. Um, we, you know, Alderaan, we see an entire system wiped out in the um, Force Awakens. Yeah. Force Awakens, and it never, it never has weight. We see Obi Wan like get a a, a hiccup when. <laughs> Alderaan's blown up. He, he swallowed some Pepsi too fast. <clears throat> yeah. He was like, oh, a thousand, a thousand voices cried out and were yeah. silenced. Okay, I'm going to keep shooting you at lasers from this little robot. Yeah. Um, but s- seeing the destruction of Kamino and hearing the complete desperation of the former senator, like, our world is gone. We're scattered to the wind. We don't mean anything. I don't know what you're trying to even portray. Um, and then just seeing um, poor Omega watch as those cities are attacked and bombarded. And there is something about the idea of it being a direct bombardment that is different than, you know, a, just a planet blowing up. Right. But I think they handled the idea of a mass genocide with weight in ways they never have before yeah yeah that's really well put liz what do you think of these episodes yeah i I think everything you know the both of you said i agree with this wasn't an episode i expected at all i i didn't expect to be examining clone rights in any way i didn't expect to be drawn in to an episode that dealt with political maneuvering within the Senate to draw me in like it did with these two episodes. And I I think maybe the only thing I can really add here is 
in the end are the people we want to win. We see Senator Chuchi gets the evidence she needs. Matt was talking about how we see what happened on Camino. Everyone in the Senate sees it. Omega gets her that information. She and the clones accomplish their goal. But when they deliver that and when they essentially convict Rampart, Palpatine is just such an amazing political maneuver. I can't think of a better word right now. They've played into his hands and they recognize that once he starts talking, they play right into his hands and he manages to get his bill passed despite the fact that our, our side, the good guys did what they wanted to do. He still accomplishes his goal. We're still somehow defeated which is just such, I, it's weird because it was just so impressive, but also you're left with this feeling like, oh shit, we, we lost. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I uh, think that one of the things that this episode did, uh, sorry, Liz, to cut you off. No, that is, was it. Is um, you almost never see Palpatine, you hear about how cunning Palpatine is, but we don't have a lot of evidence of that, like on screen. <laughs> um, yeah, it got kind of, kind of bumbling there yeah but, but, but th- this this shows you exactly how he can remain emperor mm-hmm. you know he just mm-hmm. he just he makes him eat shit he just he he takes what they were giving them and he turns it around on them and he does it in a masterful way mm-hmm. and that's that's an incredible that, that that's an incredible thing to be able to show after introducing the character literally 40 years ago this year oh yeah so wow. you know that's uh, yeah. I I think it's it's a very very. It's a very nuanced take on a show that doesn't often do, do nuance all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a couple of questions. Maybe you guys sure. picked up on something I didn't. Um, we have that um, clone trooper, the one you know, serial number wiped assassin, referring to himself as a true believer. And we see Palpatine becoming so anti-clone. What? How does this all fit together? Is the idea that Palpatine only wants cloning for himself? Is that what he's doing? Because he's not ant like fully anti-clone. He becomes one. Um, but what? I I just don't know how that all fits together in my head. I don't know what you guys figured. Liz, do you have a theory on this? I do not. Do you? My, my theory is is pretty shabby. Um, but it's just that, like, Palpatine realizes they're becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to take care of it. Like, I, I don't think there's anything ideological about it. I think mm-hmm. if it was if it was something that was, it was something that he felt strongly about and he could get rid of them and do so without causing too much trouble, he's just going to do it. I, okay. I I think it's the idea of disposability again, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just doesn't want to deal with it. It's it's done. It's he has he he doesn't feel that they are worth his they are they aren't worth the trouble, and I and I wonder if part of that is also like there's a um what am I looking for? It's 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 not a it's not like a um hard and fast thing, but a lot of politicians will say. 
that the reason that you should have a draft, a military draft, is that it makes the stakes of war seem more real to people. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's not just enlisted army folks, but if your son or daughter or your neighbor, your nephew, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, if they can be drafted into a war, then you then you as a politician are not going to advocate for war as much. Right. You're going to you're going to be more cautious with with your warmongering because somebody you love might have to fight in that war. And so I I wonder if Palpatine kind of wants to control the narrative about all this stuff more and if the if the if the if the if the imperial navy and imperial army are made up of just rank and file people if that will let him do more things without like if it gives him more power because it takes power away from the war does that make sense like mm -hmm. they're going to be more they're going to let him strip away their civil liberties in the name of peace in a way that is different than if he could just send a battalion of clones there to do it. Gotcha. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. That's just that's just sort of how my how my brain went. Yeah, I, I can see that. What confused me with the true believer piece of it, I didn't know what he was even getting at. But yeah, um, I don't know if that's going to be something we continue to see or if that's it. I don't know. I also wonder, like, is Rampart actually going to be punished for this? Or yeah. Was, or was that just a show? Yeah, because who's going to check up on that? Uh, yeah, I think he could. I He could very much be punished. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could see it either yeah. way. You know? Either way. He's a scapegoat regardless. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, well, after the high of those two episodes... <laughs> We unfortunately come crashing back down with the crossing. But before we get to the crossing, I do want to talk about Echo leaving the Bad Batch mm, yeah. at the end of the prior episode and going with Rex to sort of, you know, do what he can for his clone brethren. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think we often forget I often forget that Echo was not an original member. He's he's not a dysfunctional clone the way the others are. That Correct. he was he was found like in that um basically powering that was it a weapon was it what was it that he was like being his life force was being used to power no they were using his clone yeah. brain um kind of like you know how they have the like tactical um computers yes the, the strategic bots they were using his clone brain as that because he was they were able to outmaneuver clone maneuvers yes, yes that's what it was okay. using him. Yeah, and yeah. we actually see him before that too. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, because we see when he actually gets captured, right? And so you know, when they find him, he sort of becomes part of the group. But his departure, I mean, the the rest of the troopers, they're soldiers; they kind of understand it. But Omega has a really hard time with the departure, and the whole next episode is sort of about her not being able to really deal with the with his departure. Mm -hmm. Um. And I thought that I thought that stuff was actually pretty good in the episode. Mm -hmm. I I think it's good to show that. I mean, Liz said before, like she's a kid who doesn't really get to be a kid, and this is something where I mean, look, if if I was in the situation of one of the other clones, I would understand why my brother had to leave, but I would be upset about it. But I wouldn't. It, it I would respect his decision, right? And she mm -hmm. she's at a place where she really can't have that nuance of an understanding about about all this. And so I thought that part of it was very good. 
The problem is, as alluded to before the show, that there is this is just another episode of them trapped in a cave. <laughs> yeah, and, that, um, yeah. I have to say, in the first one, though, in addition to that being really good, I and maybe it's just coming from someone who has, um, you know, a little bit of my trying. What's a what's the proper word for it? Like different thinking patterns. Um, that makes social interaction difficult. Um, seeing the that conversation between Tech and um, Omega was very moving um, for me. And I'm sure that other Star Wars fans who are in a similar neurodivergent world as me probably felt much the same. And I thought that was really, really cool of them to include. Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a really good scene. Um, unfortunately, like I said, I think everything else around it did not live up to that. Yeah, you already uh, had the cave with uh, like dragons in it, and now you just have a cave that blows up. Right, <laughs> explodey things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I I would say like you know the the second episode of this uh, of this storyline doesn't really do all that much. I mean, it, I guess a theme we're seeing here is that the Bad Batch show up someplace and they try to make that place better, which I understand mm -hmm. and I appreciate. And, like, objectively in the second episode, they do away with uh, a crooked despot who is, you know, taking more than his share of, uh, yeah. Of you know of, of of the money and all that, and yeah, I, he's Robo Fagan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, but you also then see like, well, all they really did was just someone else. Like that's a power vacuum. Someone else is going to rise up there, right? It's not like they've necessarily fundamentally changed the way that things are run. They just they just replaced one despot with a with a younger, better looking one, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, if there had been more commentary on that. I think that could have been interesting, but this second episode really was a snooze to me. Yeah. The only... it, it, yeah, really. Oh, sorry. Go, Liz. The, the only thing I was going to say I had a hope for, but I feel like may have been a major stretch, was when I don't remember the kid's name um, that stole their ship, but I, I felt like, you know, ultimately he had been mistreated, it seemed, most of his life. And then, granted, his interaction with Omega and the Bad Batch was very short-lived but it it seemed like perhaps he learned at least a bit about what it was like to be treated well and maybe what it meant to treat others well like when omega shared his her rations with him for no reason except i don't know to be nice because he mm -hmm. helped them um and at the end when he said like thanks for showing me the truth like which was the truth i guess about what this despot was doing but i i was thinking maybe also just about what it was like to be nice to others yeah, maybe right. that was a stretch but that that was my the one thing i had to cling to here in this last uh mm -hmm. episode I, I, yeah. and that's a good point though I, I think that we do see a little bit of that and, and you hope that maybe maybe their presence will change things right maybe the bad batches maybe that will be the moment in that kid's life where you know he decided to be 
better or whatever the case may be. Because he mm-hmm. didn't. He's like, why are you being nice to this droid? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gonky. Yeah. I mean, so, to be fair, yeah. like ninety nine percent of the characters we meet in Star Wars are terrible to droids. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not really a surprise that this that this kid is not great to a, a droid either. Um, it's. Uh, I. I will say. I think that these this the last two minutes of that episode really sums up um, a lot of what this whole, I guess, mini arc almost was about um, in the idea that I forget. I forget if it's, if it's tech or if it's um, Omega that says, you know, the Empire isn't our only enemy. There are enemies all around worlds like this everywhere. Right. Um, but we have to believe that there are also people like us out there as well. And I think that's that I think is setting the stage for what this show is. And I like the fact that they're not single-handedly going to topple the empire. Right. Um, they are working to make small ripples of positivity that will help keep everyone afloat until that, you know, spark of the rebellion happens. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know, again, I I think that this show, it's so funny. Like, 99% of television has moved away from long seasons, except for The Bad Batch. (laughs) 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 I want to say there's 16 episodes in this season. And, like, Mm -hmm. if you, so far, we watched 10 episodes. If you took that uh, Cody and Crosshair episode, you took the pod racing episode, you took the Gunji episode, and you took the two clone conspiracy episodes. That's five. That's half of a ten-episode season that would be excellent. Mm-hmm. You just don't need the other five episodes. Yeah. And yep. I don't know why. And again, like it's not even like... Yes, on one hand, I guess you can say that they are building, I don't know, stuff. To, to work on later but it seems like these two episodes like really they're about they're about how Omega deals with both the loss of someone in her life and the introduction of someone new in her life mm-hmm. you can do those things in an episode that also has another purpose or that has a, a greater plot element to it you don't need to make that the entire uh, the entire two episode arc because when you do that, when the entire two-episode arc is just an object lesson, then you're not really telling a story. You're just making a point. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I think it's also, it, it really hammers home, for me, the difference between the storytelling of Star Wars in TV form versus movie form, where you... You have these two random episodes and then slap on Lando raising a pig from Rebels, and that's the entire <laughs> length of any Star Wars movie. Right. Like you you've watched nothing. That's and true. you just kind of exist with these characters, which is why I think for me, being someone who loved the movies as a kid, and then re-entering the movies, everything just felt frantic. Where they introduced twenty characters in a film. And then, boom, move on in an hour, and you're done. It's a really different experience in how you take in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, – it's, I'm trying to think if there's another 
I, I guess we can talk about the MCU in a similar way where there are some like very, very different tonal pieces in the MCU. Like I think if you compare like Wakanda Forever with Iron Man three, like they're just totally different tonal mm-hmm. you know, things. However, I think with Star Wars, because there's not I mean, yes, there is Technically, Star Wars is mostly the Skywalker saga, and everything branches off of that in some ways. But this is basically like a military show, right? This mm-hmm. is, a, and then you get Andor, which is essentially like an espionage show, and then you get um, the Mandalorian, which is essentially a western. I love that sort of stuff. What I mm-hmm. what gets frustrating though is when I think sometimes the writers feel like they can't do they're afraid to move this show beyond what it is you can have a couple of moments of transcendence like the 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 clone conspiracy episodes but ultimately they keep going back to just they they keep reverting back to the status quo back to caves back to caves yes yeah like there's only there's only you don't need to keep telling me that Nazis are bad. Like that's right. inherent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, just you know, use the stories that. Like, I I am I am now getting worried because we're two thirds of the way through the season and still haven't seen Cody again after Cody goes AWOL at the end of that episode. Like I want more Cody stories. I want more crosshair stories. Those characters have actual things that they're interesting in doing. I want to see what Echo and Rex are doing right now. Mm-hmm. I would much rather see that story than see a two-parter here. Yeah. But, and you know. I, and I yeah, I I don't know it. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. It, it just seems like it's just again, I think like you said it's just the design of the show and this is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a bit it's a bit frustrating, yeah. Um, but you know, well, we still have what six more episodes. Yeah. All right. Well, it's three uh, more hours. Yeah. <laughs> and, sure. And we have six more episodes that will be launching at the same time as the first six episodes of The Mandalorian season uh, three, which oh I boy. feel like we're just gonna forget about this show. I know. Um, I, I I propose perhaps that we um. We save the last six episodes for after The Mandalorian. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, I, I'm going to have to keep re- reviewing them for Multiversity because I'm a glutton for punishment. But, you know, <laughs> uh, for the podcast purposes, we'll, we'll we'll hold off until the end of The Mandalorian season. Okay. Yeah, so that works. We'll see you this summer, Bad Batchers. Oh, man. Yeah, because I, I, Mandalorian's uh, – maybe not. It's only eight episodes usually, right? I think it's eight episodes per season. Um, I want to say that's what it yeah, would have been. I... Sounds so, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, wait, is this the is this third third, this third season? season? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I the book of Boba Fett gets me so confused. Yes. Because um, it's like not really, but it is. Yes. Uh, rumor has it they're starting to work on season two though. Ha- has it not been announced yet? But they're saying why? Maybe, maybe a Star Wars <laughs> celebration. Well, here's my only thing. I think if you looked at Rebels or the Clone Wars after season one you would never think that they'd become what they actually became. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving I'm giving the Book of Boba Fett hope that maybe it can turn into something else. Yeah, and if I think about a lot of shows that I do love, sometimes their first seasons are pretty terrible. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but this was like season three of the Mandalorian. Right. Like they, they That's had correct. they had space to get their shit together. Yeah, I, but I'd, I mean, I, if we see Cad Bane again, then cool. <laughs> That's all I'm hoping for. <laughs> I had a a, a conversation with a, a a friend who was a, a big Star Wars guy. We haven't talked in a couple of years, and we were talking the other day, and he was talking about the book of Boba Fett, and he was just saying like. Man, imagine how much more effective the reunion of Grogu and um, Mando would have been if they had given us a season or two without them being together. Mm-hmm. Instead, they we got literally at the end of season two they leave, and at the end of at the beginning of season three they're gonna be back together. <laughs> like, yeah, riding just, in a ship built for two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they couldn't hold out. They had to, uh, <laughs> like, the people demand Grogu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I understand, like, the money side of it, but, you know, it's also just, it's a bummer. I know. It is. Yeah, he's not He's not going to age out of the role. Like, when he's <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. He, he's 50. He's, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I also feel like there's no way that, um, uh, Pedro Pascal doesn't want to keep doing this because he's not even in the suit half the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's the easiest gig in the world for him. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, thank you for listening, folks. We'll return in two weeks with a review of the first couple of Mandalorian episodes. And until next time, remember, the Force will be with you always. Always.